0: Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. And we pray for this service, God thank you for being here in a tangible way. I pray, God, that as we start a new series today, that you would truly fan the flame inside of all of our hearts. And God, just as the apostles prayed in the New Testament, I close now with their words. Now, Lord, enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Amen. Today we are beginning a new series called Fan the Flame. Yeah. Uh, most of you know uh, that we try to take, Katie and I, an intentional speaking break in the month of July. And we've tried the past few years to intentionally make July a month of rest and Sabbath. And I'm grateful for our team and those who step in and step up to allow us a little bit of downtime. And on that note, I do want to publicly say thank you to Lewis, Pastor David, and Pastor Ted for <laughs> filling in the pulpit <laughs> and challenging us with the Word of God. I've been reading a book called Fan the Flame. It's by Pastor Jim Cimbala of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. A lot of you are probably familiar with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And while the series shares the same name as the book, it's not solely based on the book. I will be sharing some quotes throughout. The book was really a confirmation of what God had already been speaking to Katie and myself. And I'll share a little bit more about that in a moment. But when we began the Deep Chain series back in May, I began to look at the calendar and I saw the scheduled speaking break in July and I was just trying to think what we're going to do in the fall, but I just wasn't sure in regards to message topics. And so for a couple of months, I've been asking God what he wants to say to us. There's no shortage of sermon ideas. There's no shortage of subjects that could be and possibly should be talked about. But as I've said before, we're not really interested in another good idea. We really want a God idea. And I want you to know that I'm committed to doing my best to bring spirit-led, spirit-empowered prophetic messages to this body. Our mission as a church is to lead everyday people into a growing relationship with Jesus. But the responsibility to grow spiritually doesn't only lie with us as leaders. It also lies with all of us on a personal level. James, the brother of Jesus, put it this way. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So as I sat at my desk and I prayed and I began to type, I thought to myself, well, this is already beginning with a heavier tone than I would have liked. I wanted my first Sunday back in the saddle to be light and jovial and full of bad jokes. (laughs) But God has separately, yet simultaneously, doing something inside of Katie and myself. Her and I don't enjoy the same types of input. I enjoy podcasts. She doesn't. I want music playing all of the time. She doesn't. I don't particularly care for the style of books that she reads. She doesn't particularly care for the style of books that I read. I enjoy audio books. She can't stand them. But over the past few months, it seems though, as though even though our inputs are from different sources and styles, that the theme of what the Holy Spirit is saying to us is the same. And I speak for both of us when I say that we are are not interested in church as usual. Over the next few months, the physical location of our church is literally changing. And there will be a lot of focus on paint and colors and renovations and sound and lighting and space for kids and landscaping and all the things. And we're discussing right now the programs that will possibly be added as God begins to raise up leaders to fill the needs that we're about to have. Jim Simmel in his book said something in regards to programs that I thought was insightful. Never forget that God uses people, not programs, to bring about his kingdom on earth. Continuing the quote, God has never sought clever methods or techniques to get his work done. But today's church is looking more and more like corporate America, reducing every activity to a method or formula or a marketing design for our brand. And the truth is, God doesn't use formulas or methods. He uses people. He uses frail people. He uses simple people, sinful people. And I would add to that, everyday people. Why? Because that's all he has. End quote. It would be a shame for us to spend the next three months renovating an older facility and neglect to understand that God is also inviting us to a renovation of the heart. I know we spent all of last year off and on as our theme was renew, talking about how the word renew from Romans 12, 2 means renovation. And how Paul calls us to renew our minds. And while we absolutely need a renovation of thought, it's not an either or, it's a both and. We also need a renovation of the heart. How quickly we forget and how eager we are to move on when things get difficult. In 2020, the world changed. The crisis of COVID was an accelerant to a fire that was already beginning to burn. Waning church attendance, apathy toward Christ, racial tension, political strain, sexual identity crises were all trending slowly and steadily up and to the right. And the pandemic was like pouring gas on an open flame. But we were all myself included, so quick to want to get back to normal that we've neglected to see that the world around us has really changed. And whether we like it or not or want to admit it or not, our hearts have been affected. A recent Gallup poll found that for the first time since they began polling in the 1930s, that the number of of Americans who described themselves as affiliated with the church, synagogue, or mosque has fallen below 50%. First time in almost 100 years. One study shows that only about one-third of Americans attend regular church service every or almost every week. And more than 50% say they attend seldom or never. Now what's worse still, according to the Barna Group, 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month. Half of the pastors polled said they would leave the ministry if they had another way to make a living. And over 80% of those polled of the clergy spouses said they want their spouse to leave the ministry. There's no wonder why church attendance and fervency of Christians all over America is waning. When those in the pulpit have lost their fire, how can we expect those in the pew to be any different? And while the flames of culture seem to have grown around us into a full-blown wildfire that cannot be contained, controlled, or put out, I think that God is calling us to fan into flame the embers of our hearts that once burned so bright. Most of you have heard people say or said something like this yourself, it's time to fight fire with fire. And generally when we say that, it's in retaliation. It's a retaliation to an attack of some kind. And often it's in regards to tactics that I may not have normally utilized. Right, So maybe you're normally a rule follower, but someone attacks and continues to beat you in some way by breaking the rules. And so you decide to fight fire with fire. Well, if they can break the rules, why can't I? If they can use unethical tactics, why can't I fight fire with fire? But fighting fire with fire is more than a saying or an idiom. Did anybody watch the movie in 2017 called Only the Brave? Only the Brave one did. (laughs) (laughs) It's a movie about the true story of a group of firefighters in California, and I won't go into into details about the movie. But these firefighters, known as hotshots, often fight fire with fire as a tactic to control the wildfires. Now, the oversimplified explanation of this is this a fire requires three things oxygen, heat, and fuel? It's called the fire triangle. Think of heat as the ignition source. For more information, see Brent. <laughs> I was texting him, I was like, Hey, is this right? Is this true? <laughs> and he was like, Well, and I was like, oh, Never mind. <laughs> when a fire begins to burn out of control, these hot shots, in California, can create what they call a backfire. So on one side, this inferno may be raging through the woods. And on the other side, these hot shots are doing a backfire for the purpose of burning up all the fuel that the larger fire will need as it moves through the woods. So in theory, when the larger fire makes it to the place where the backfire has already been lit, the fuel has already been eliminated and the fire will stop spreading. And we see that in our own backyard. How many of you have heard the term controlled burn? Yeah. Or you've driven through the forest on the way to the beach and you saw a fire and you're like, what's going on? Just a little fire kind of burning or whatever. Essentially, what's happening during a controlled burn is the elimination of fuel for a wildfire. And so if a random strike of lightning or a cigarette butt gets flipped out of a window... If there's been a controlled burn, then the fuel has already been burned up. And so there's nothing for it. There's no underlying brush in those other fuel sources. And so the fire, again, in theory, doesn't spread. Now, what does this have to do with anything? We're looking at a culture that seems to be burning out of control. And the church has become reactionary. Everything that happens in culture that's contrary to God's word stirs up reaction. Instead of prophetically anticipating or prayerfully responding, we're out here irrationally reacting. And it appears to me that we're trying to fight fire with fire, but incorrectly. We're using the retaliation model. If you can use those tactics, then so can I. That's what we will do also. But I wonder if the problem is simply that we've lost our own fire. We have this major, out-of-control wildfire burning around us. But because there's no fire of God burning in our own hearts, we cannot properly fight fire with fire. Continuing with this metaphor, I want you to think of people as the fuel element of the fire triangle. So rather than using the same tactics as those outside of the faith use, maybe we should begin like the hot shots lighting backfires. Meaning that if there's a raging cultural fire that's spreading to more and more people, we need to get to the other side of that and begin to burn the fuel first. We need to begin to reach as many people as we possibly can before the raging fire overtakes. Because if we can eliminate the fuel, then the raging fire will eventually die down. Now, I know that talking about reaching people is easier said than done, right? In our own local body of believers, we've had more transfer growth than conversion growth or growth from those who were outside of the Christian faith. And I'm certainly not saying that God hasn't led you here if you were a Christ follower before you came. I mean, you wouldn't believe the stories that we've heard of deep wounds and church hurt. But if we, as a body, are going to be a part of fighting the fires of culture, we must begin to reach those that are outside of the faith, those that are far from God. Now, while we believe that one of the things God has anointed us to do is to bring healing to those who are broken, as we receive, each of us receive our healing and grow in our faith, we should be reaching others. But instead... We can't can't fight fire with fire because our fire has gone out. And we've talked about a lot of things and I haven't read much scripture. So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy, and he says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with their clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Verse six, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God. Now, let's be real for a minute. What are we doing? Why has the flame of God in many of our lives gone out? We come to church week after week, but for what? Is it just to check our religious church attendance box? Is it to sing four songs, talk to someone you barely know, and hear a spiritual pep talk? Please insert the puke emoji here. (laughs) We've become so full of ourselves that we only want what we want. Anything that challenges us mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, we simply dismiss or maybe cancel it altogether. Someone calls us out and we might say, eh, I didn't like that. I think that person is being used by the devil to bring discouragement into my life. Yeah, or maybe that person is a true brother or sister in Christ, and they're being used of God, keeping with the metaphor to try to light a fire under our hind parts. If you need a biblical word for it, it's called discipline. Hebrews twelve eleven tells us, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Jim Cimbala says this, if, quote, if someone is filled with a demon, the demon can be cast out. But if we're full of ourselves, that's a different and perhaps even more difficult problem, end quote. We need to have the humility to face the possibility that we might be on the wrong path. Maybe we're doing church and living our lives in a way that Jesus never intended. It's not, a way that he, not something he had in mind for us. We have to have the courage to face the scoreboard. There's a difference in faith and fantasy. Statistically, Christians are leaving American churches and leaders are losing heart and leaving the ministry. Something is obviously wrong. We've lost our fire. We've lost our zeal. We've lost our passion. We care more about me and mine and that's all. Going back to the final message of the deep change series, we've disconnected from the vine. We've disconnected from Jesus. And because of that, there's no fruit in our lives. Because apart from Him, apart from Jesus, we can bear no fruit. Using the words of Jesus from using the words of Jesus Himself, apart from me, apart from Him, we can do nothing. And we're at the beginning of a path of major change. Deep change, if you will. Remember, I told you these series have been prophetic in such a way we could have never anticipated. Who would have known the week we launched the deep change series, we'd be talking about actually moving, deeply changing our location. Or that there would be staff changes after four years and all of the things that have been happening in our midst. And as we approached to this facility situation, I wondered... Should I do a series on vision? Should I cast vision? Should I rally the troops? And I think there will be a time for that. God is entrusting us with a larger location for a reason. But if all we do is change the aesthetics of a building, then we fail. Look at the words of Paul in his letter to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, And someone else is building on it. That's what we just prayed about. But each one should build with care. No one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. In other words, if anyone tries to build a foundation without Jesus, using new paint and sound and lights and fog machines and new flooring and new kids' space and programs, then all of their work will burn up. So rather than rallying the troops, rather than casting vision for the future, I'm calling us to return to the vine. I'm calling us to return to Jesus as our first love. I'm calling us to fan into flame, the gift of God that's on the inside. As I said earlier, we're not interested in church as usual. We've lost our fire because we've gotten away from the basics. We've moved away from the foundational principles that we already know work. We've gotten away from the simplicity of prayer and Bible reading and worship. And we've moved into an era of entertainment. And listen, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with entertainment. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with moving lights and fog machines. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with using games, events, and programs to draw people to church. But none of that can be the foundation. If the foundation isn't Jesus, then everything we do will burn up. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have the fire burn on the inside than the outside. In other words, I'd rather we allow the Holy Spirit to help us discern when our motives, methods, and programs are superseding our passion for Christ. I'd rather have the fire of God from the inside say, hey, you're getting things a little bit out of order here than to keep plowing forward and have the fire of God from the outside burn up everything that we thought we were doing for him. Now let me say to you, If I haven't challenged you to fall more in love with Jesus, I'm sorry. If I have ever made everyday church feel like more of a production than about Jesus, I'm sorry. If I have ever used this platform to draw attention to myself and not to Jesus, I'm sorry. I don't know a lot of things. I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm not a theologian. I don't even have a master's degree in church leadership. But I know this. As long as we keep Jesus at the center of everything we do, individually and corporately, then one day we will hear those coveted words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Let's recapture the awe and wonder For Jesus, let's return to our first love. Let's fan into flame the gift of God that's inside each of us. And let's begin to fight fire with fire by snatching the fuel, the people out of harm's way of the cultural inferno that's blazing all around us. Let's repent of our sin, spend time with God and see what he will do through us. D.L. Moody is is quoted as saying, quote, the world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. Let's fan the flame. Two of my favorite times of year are the fall back to school season and the new year. Both are a moment for evaluation and a fresh start. Summer is ending, vacations are over for the most part, and routine is returning. We cannot fan the flame only on Sunday morning. And if God does something supernatural in our hearts in a moment of corporate worship or prayer or during a moment of surrender at the altar, the flame that's ignited cannot be sustained without regular routine of spending time with God. I know that the school season Doesn't affect everyone in the room the same way. But there's a high percentage of people whose routine is already naturally changing. And I'm asking you to consider making time with God part of that changing routine. While I was looking for that quote by D.L. Moody, I came across this list of a lot of his famous quotes that I hadn't heard of. And there was another one that seemed to sum up where I think that God wants to take us. It says this, quote, I firmly believe that the moment our hearts are emptied of selfishness and ambition and self-seeking and everything that is contrary to God's law, that the Holy Spirit will come and fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit ambition and self-seeking pleasure and the world there is no room for the spirit of god i also believe that many a man is praying to god to fill him when he is already full with something else before we pray that god would fill us i believe we ought to pray that he would empty us there must be an emptying before there can be a filling And when the heart is turned upside down and everything that is contrary to God is turned out, then the Spirit will come. I want to close today by singing another song. It's a song we sing many times. Just as I prepared for this message, I put it on even in the room yesterday. I was just spending some time in prayer. It's called The Refiner. And it just says, clean my hands, purify my heart. I want to burn for you, only for you. Take my life as a sacrifice. I want to burn for you, only for you. I want to invite you to seek the Lord. If that means coming to the altar, that's fine. If you want to find a place to kneel, perfect. If you want to kneel at your seat, fine. If you want to stand, I mean, stand. you can stand, lift your hands. If you want to sit quietly and search your heart, fine. There might be somebody who wants to lay down, prostrate before the Lord. I don't know what the Lord may be stirring inside of your heart. But I want to invite you to not allow this moment to pass by and to look inside your heart and to be reflective as Max leads us and ask God where your fire is. Has it begun to wane? There may be people in the room that have never had a fire of God in that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus at all. You don't have a relationship with him or you're far from him. God's invitation to you is to come home today. I invite you to worship just for a moment and not just worship and don't just spectate. Please, if nothing else, just close your eyes and let your mind's eye and your spirit focus on God and ask him, ask him to show you what he needs to show you. staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.